0: Uh, Good morning. (laughs) All right. It gives me great pleasure and privilege to uh, welcome our speaker for this morning. Uh, Pastor Leon has been with us for the past two days. Friday, we had a session with the worship team uh, from English, Bahasa, Toronto Church, and even the Trailblazer kids. You know, it was such a good seminar, a good time that we have together uh, listening. And I think he broke all the barriers to our understanding of what worship is, you know, and it caused a lot of thought-provoking questions, which is very good for the team, and now they truly understand what does it mean to be a true worshipper of God. And I believe that he has a very special message for all of you this morning. We had a great service yesterday. Um, it was so touching, you know, <laughs> very heart-moving moments. And uh, I do not want to introduce him any further because I let the introduction uh, be done by him. Okay, let's put our hands together and welcome Pastor Leon.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Good. Awesome. Uh, I really thank the church for the invitation, for inviting me. I think... um, uh, although Pastor Mary and Pastor Clement go back with my parents all the way in ministry, all the way in the start, you know, uh, before they were youths together and that kind of thing, um, they don't really know me, because uh, I've been traveling under the radar in ministry. I, I, I don't like the limelight. I actually don't like preaching, don't want to be a pastor. And uh, But then, God has His purposes, and somehow along the way, uh, when, when, when Jeremy called me and said, hey, pastor, would you consider coming? In my heart, I knew that the Holy Spirit uh, was... Okay, my initial reaction always when people invite me, say, ayah, no need, lah. there's someone better than me. Lah. Right? So in my heart, uh, why don't you invite this person? Why don't you invite that person? But the Holy Spirit stopped me in that moment and tell me, hey, Leon, you've got to say yes. And uh, I really didn't quite understand why at that moment. But over the time of preparation in coming here, uh I understood why. And uh I I, I think you will hear it because God has a message for you today. But more in, more than that, I need to confess that uh this is going to be a difficult sermon for me and for you. Uh this is going to be something that uh when I say difficult, is because it it will stir something with you. Um because when I wanted to Uh, I I have to confess, do you know that in worship, right? one of the things that we have lost the art of doing uh, in modern worship is the art of confessing to each other? There's no more confessing to each other, right? You can go to church 50 years of your life and you've never confessed to each other. It's possible. And and so I'm going to confess to you that I didn't want to preach this sermon. (laughs) I I struggled with it. Uh, I've preached this sermon to another church before, so it's a real sermon, forgive me. It's not that I'm lazy, okay, but when I, I, I said yes, I knew that this is the sermon God wanted me to preach. I tried to prepare another sermon, but God said, no, this is the one, all right? And uh, why I didn't want to do it? Because it, this is a sermon that I have to also uh, be very open and candid about how I feel and what it is uh, that I I. I my experience, and it will also relate to your experience, I know, in a very, very uh, candid way. And so, it was difficult. I don't like to be open with who I am, you know. Bearing yourself is sometimes very... To be vulnerable is scary. Okay, second thing I want to confess is that... Um, um, I... When, when it comes to this area uh, of worship, I... Really, I'm very passionate about it. And so, when I prepared my sermon yesterday, I told myself, okay, I'm going to finish on time, but I didn't. So, if you're here, and if you're going to prepare yourself to hear from God, I hope I still finish on time. That's my target. But I confess that I might not. Okay? I tell you up front first, huh? don't be angry with me. Huh? Oh, you're my lunch, Pastor, my lunch, my lunch. You know, Uh but you will see that God has something to speak and probably you will not want to leave until you hear everything he has to say. So before we hear what he says, can we just prepare our hearts to listen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and to spend this moment asking God to speak to us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. We thank you that you're here with us. Thank you that you have invited us into your house And we pray, Lord, that you will speak to us. You will help us see what you're trying to say to us. Lord, you've prepared me to say these words, and it's difficult for me. I pray that you give me grace, and that whatever I said will be received with love. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, also that their ears will be open, their hearts will be open, the Spirit will fall upon them, and they they will know your truth, and the truth will set them free. We pray, Lord, all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So, my area of expertise in, is in worship. I just finished my doctorate in worship last June. Uh, that means last year, not this June, uh, okay? Last year's June. And uh, most of the time, when I said I do a doctorate in worship, even pastors don't understand what that means. So, a lot of pastors have come to me and say, doctorate in worship, what do you study, ah? Uh? Study music, ah. Uh. You know? Why, why music need to study anti-doctorate, man? You know? And, uh, and it has been a constant question what do you need to study ah, in worship ah, until you study until you doctrine? You know, and it's it's not easy to explain in one sitting, but basically what we study is the worship of the church from when Jesus came, or actually we do some Old Testament worship studies, but but we talk about church worship, lah, right? We, we don't really study Jewish worship per se. We studied 2,000 years of worship history so I study Catholic worship I study Anglican worship I study Methodist worship I study all kinds of worship Lutheran worship and guess what before that because I am an AG boy I'm born in the AG church I grew up in an AG church I believe fundamentally in the AG fundamental truths with all my heart uh, I never understood these things and that the joke is, right? Because my father is a pastor in the assemblies of God, my mother also, my brother was a pastor, my wife was a pa- is a pastor in the. All of us, you know, and so I always say this I am so AG, right, that my blood type is AG positive. <laughs> I am very, very sure I'm AG. But the funny thing is, in the last few years, God has called me. So I've been a Baptist pastor for the last seven years very interesting story and i don't have the time to tell you all of that but over my course of being in different churches studying different worship and then when it comes to the modern times i have noticed one pattern that is very clearly happening and the pandemic had made it very clear to me uh, that this was happening so uh, oh there's another confession i must make now. Uh, all right yesterday i confessed but today i'll confess again Um, How many of you love the pandemic? Wow, one person. Wow, very good. You and me, to a few of you, okay, awesome. Most of you, like, that was the worst experience in your life, all right? And I must confess to you this. While I was doing my doctorate, I'm supposed to finish it up in seven years. That's like the maximum limit, okay? One year, I fell sick, so they extended for me another year. And then then on the ninth year, what happened was the pandemic happened. See, I actually... Extend, 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 extend. Oh, because I was doing ministry busy and all this kind. I couldn't finish it. And I said, oh yeah, never mind. God, no need to finish. It's okay. The doctor is not important. Yeah, what? Just a piece of paper. Anyway. You know, no need. Then on the ninth year, the pandemic happened. And then the, I thought ninth year, I didn't have anything, right? I couldn't hand up anything. Oh, this. Then the, the school said, oh, because of the pandemic, we'll get a blanket one more year for everyone to finish their thesis. Guess what? Then my mom turned to me, Leon. You see, you see, the whole world must go through a pandemic so you finish your doctorate. You better finish. Huh? So I confess to you, I'm sorry you went through the pandemic. It was because of me, okay? No, I'm just joking. But I share that story because what I went through the pandemic shaped me tremendously because my thesis, although I knew what I was going to write up about, the, the, the pandemic actually solidified it for me. And so, my introduction is going to be rather long, and I'm going to tell you the story of it, and, and you're going to understand why. All right. So, during the pandemic, um, seven years ago, seven years ago, something happened to my family that you have experienced just quite recently. My father passed away. Uh, it was at Bursay. He was coming home from Bursay. Uh, there was a hit and run. Uh, There was a lot of suspicion that it was intentional. And we lost our father as he was serving the Lord. And um, after that happened, um, see, my father was the cook in the family. My father always cooks, and he's the one that cooked for my entire life. Not my mother. It was my father. And if you know my father, if some of you have met him before, he has come here and preached before. Pastor Clement and Pastor Mary knows him very well. They probably at what he cooks. Uh, he's a great cook. He loves his food. And you can see it not in just the fact that he will cook anything. He will cook up a storm. Um, it is also seen in his size. Alright? So, my dad is, if you see me, I'm exactly look, I look like my father exactly except the size. All right? Because he loves food and I don't. Okay? But he passed away, and after he, did, he passed away, for me, my mom, and my brother, um, so one of the favorite things we like to do is, or we, 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 we look forward to coming home, is my dad's cooking. Every day, I would make sure I'm home, because he he'll cook dinner and lunch for us, and it would be, I, didn't, I took for granted how important those meals were. But when he was gone, it was so hard for the family to eat around the table anymore. It didn't feel the same. Church didn't feel the same. Meals didn't feel the same. Families didn't feel the same. We, we found it so hard to sit together to eat because we cannot talk about how we feel without breaking down or being emotional. And it was so tough, so, so tough. So for three years, meal times disappeared from our family. But during the pandemic, what happened was, no choice at all, all of us locked together. Right? What was happening was not just my father, my... No, no, sorry, my mother, not father, sorry. My, my mother, me, my brother, my wife, and my children were together. What happened was we noticed that there were some members that, that, that um, didn't have parents or were alone uh, or were from overseas and they didn't have any family around, we said, come, 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 stay with us during the pandemic so that you will not have to isolate yourselves alone. And so they came in. And little did we know that what would happen is that um, God will slowly redeem our meal times. Because suddenly there's 12 people under one roof. And when we eat together, my mom who's not the cook for all these years, who suddenly cook. And she would cook up a storm and, and my, my son would be like, why? Naina? you cook so well. Yeah, then I'm like, yeah, where are you all these years, huh, ma? Why are you the one not cooking? Huh? Your father loves to cook, so I relax, lah, you know, <laughs> she's there. And she began to cook and the meal times begin to become something meaningful again. Conversations were joyful. Everybody wanted look forward to the meal times. In fact, my son loves meal times now so much that he will because we have such beautiful conversations and such lovely conversations. Not always nice. Sometimes even difficult conversations. But we will talk and talk. So my son, ah, when you eat with him, you notice he will talk, 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 because that has become his habit. Because it is so important to us now. Now, because of that experience, because of that experience, I realized, realized what worship was all about again. Because of that understanding and the centering on the table, I realized that actually, actually the primary symbol in churches for thousands of years, before we contemporary church and AG Church decide it's not necessary, was the Lord's Table. In most churches, the center of the church is still the Lord's table. And during my, 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 my preparation of my thesis in writing it, I noticed that, wow, in churches, right, it, for years I know that this problem exists, but I didn't have the data to, to prove it. But during the pandemic, it was very clear. The data showed it. When we start service, I have a thousand members in that church at that time. And during our online services, everybody gathered together, right? So at the start of the service, right? Guess how many percent of the church was there? Let's say we start at 9 30. How many were there at 9 30? How many percent? Out of a thousand people, give me a figure. Give a guess? In Church of Praise, what do you think how many people will be here at nine thirty? Because obviously when I turn around just now, right, 9.30, not all of you were here. Correct? Correct? For my church, it was 140 at the start of the service. By the time the sermon happens, we have about 800 plus. But before the sermon, right at the end of the sermon, before we even give the benediction, during the response song, the number will drop to 80 people only. Now, this is not uncommon. Before the pandemic, we would realize that this is happening already. People would come late. Before the service will ends, they will go. And I always wondered why. And during this pandemic, God showed me why. And so my entire thesis, my entire doctorate is about that. And today, in one service, I'm going to try to tell you my 10 years of work. That's why I took so long no. long. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't take 10 years, okay? <laughs> right? But if I were to talk to worship about worship, I can talk for 10 years non-stop now. Nah. Really, I can. But the sermon that I entitled today is called Welcome Home. Worship at the table with family. Do you know that Oh, it's not on. That's why it's not working. Okay. That I want to ask you this. Remember a time when church was home? I think there's a problem with church today. Church has become an organization, has become uh, a breakfast club or maybe a social gathering. It has been so many things, but it has not become what God intended it to be since the beginning. See, God's intention was church was supposed to be family. Family where we love one another. (laughs) Where we spend time, we look forward to being together. We look forward to a time where we love each other, share our problems, be able to, you know. And when you spend time and you enjoy time together, you just don't want to leave. You know teenagers when they go out with their friends, They just don't want to leave. They never want to go. But church, if there's any opportunity for you not to come, you won't come. Any reason at all. And in fact, it was so hard. We were talking yesterday and then during the pandemic, one of the things that they say Pastor Clement uh, really struggled with was he was saying, for the first time in my life, I have to tell people, don't come to church. because forever and forever church is like home and that that we invite people and we've said this oh we are family church we have used all these terms but oftentimes most of us can submit this when we come to church it does not feel like family there are people that always complain, oh, your pastor don't love me, pastor never shake my hand, you know, all kinds of things. Literally, you know, there are people that have left church because we don't shake their hands. Not we don't want to shake their hands, how to shake everybody's hand in time? You know, sometimes you just cannot, you know, but here is the case where I think over time, just like in my family, whether it be some drama happened or something has happened, over time, we have lost this idea of church being a family and i want to tell you first and foremost that god has always wanted church to be home so in summary my 10 years of studies i summarized it into one sentence amazing right so if you remember this, you remember everything I worked 10 years for. So difficult, but I only came up with this. What do you take 10 years to know this, uh, Pastor? You're not very smart. Yeah, I'm not very smart. Don't worry. But this is what God revealed to me. Worship is the invitation of the Father to His house of love, where we enjoy relationship with Him through Jesus Christ and fellowship with each other through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me repeat this. Worship is the invitation of the Father to his house of love, where we enjoy relationship with him through Jesus Christ and fellowship with each other through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, the first part of what I want to talk about is that worship is God's invitation. Now, most of the time when I teach about worship or I talk about worship, what happens is that a lot of times when we use the word worship in our songs and all those kinds, it always talks about what we do. I worship you for who you are. I give you praise. You are worthy. Worship as a verb, if you know English, what verb means, and it's a description of an action we do, has always been about our action. We worship God. But when you actually study worship, and why I took so long to discover this, was that worship was primarily what God does, not what we do. Worship is primarily what God does. And the first thing we must always remember is that God is the one that invites us. So Isaiah 55, I'm going to use that to, be based on, to base the structure of my sermon, says this, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you, have no, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight in the riches of fair. Give ear and come to me. Listen to wo- that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, for He has endowed you with splendor. So the fundamental structure of our worship, the form, the order of our worship that is biblical has always been this. For 2,000 years, this has never changed. The first thing that happens in worship is that God is the one that gathers us to worship. God gathers us, He speaks to us, We respond to him through the table and then he sends us out. You can see this pattern in every part of scripture. Isaiah, God gathered him, showed him who he is. He realized he was unclean. God touched his lips and then says, go, I am sending you. We always end at here I am, send me, right? But we always miss the verse after that, go. So this fourfold order, this pattern has always been the, the crux of how we worship. And I think the one that we miss the most in our worship today is what I call the gathering. The part where we gather ourselves, we are together again, just praising the Lord. We love to sing that when I was growing up. But the idea that we are the one that gathered and when we gather, something good is going to happen. But the true essence of singing a song like that is saying that, god has gathered us and i think we have forgotten that we've forgotten that god is the one that invites us to his house when when my father when i I, when god called me to serve in singapore i refused i didn't want to Uh, i love serving with my family i never want to not serve with my family and so I said, God, why? And then he called me to Singapore, of all places. I'm like, Singapore, they don't need me. La. Send me to Timbuktu, Africa, somewhere there. I will go. But Singapore, they don't need me. La. You know Why, God? Why do you want me to send me there? So I refused. I struggled with it. And uh, finally, I relented. Uh, and the result of which, uh, I found my wife. So God knew, God knew that I had to go all the way to Singapore. I told myself when I went there, I'm not going to marry a Singaporean. <laughs> failed, failed. I married a Singaporean. And, uh, but anyway, the story I'm telling you is because when I was there, I get very homesick. Because I love to be at home with my family. Home was such a place that I felt safe, felt love, felt everything. And so, even no matter how busy ministry was, after Sunday every month or more than once a month, uh, I will drive all the way back from Singapore to KL to see my parents. And then after that, on Monday after uh, lunch, I will drive all the way back and then Tuesday go to work because I just wanted to be home. Uh, I'm not a food person. I'm not a foodie. At, you know, when I, uh, Jeremy first invit- uh, invited me, he said, oh, you're going to love the food here. Yeah, everything, the draw of Malaysians is food, right? Yeah, you know, and I'm not a food person per se, you know, or at least I thought I was not, you know. Then when I went to Singapore, uh, no matter what I eat, uh, I cannot feel satisfied. <laughs> cannot feel satisfied, you know. I didn't know why, you know, I kept eating more, but I still feel hungry, you know. And then after that, my mom came over one time to visit me. She stayed for one month. she said, why I always feel hungry, ah?" Uh? That's it, I think it's because the food don't satisfy, <laughs> you know, and that's my theory, lah. I'm not sure, but we kept, you know, and uh, little did I know that my, my wife would be someone who loves food so much, she loves food, so, uh, in fact, I was trying, you know, in my marriage, you know, they teach you learn the love language of each other, right, you know, love each- so I tried all the five love languages, so, Didn't work, you know, why my wife, uh, all the love language. Then I realized when I was dating her, uh, every date was, hey Leon, can you bring me to this part of Singapore because I got motorcycle? This part of Singapore for me to try the food there. So then get married and never bring her already. Then I realized, alamak, all this time food was her love language. And in some ways, I realized for most Malaysians, uh, food is our love language. Isn't it? And that's the case, you know. And why I share you this story was that every time my dad, when I come back to KL, would invite me home for dinner that Sunday night. And it would, he would cook up all my favourites. <laughs> and of course, my wife enjoyed it like crazy lah. You know, and then she said, do, do you notice or not your dad? Are, are you? Then I, you know, it's not a simple meal. And I know a lot of effort went into that preparation. And mind you, he's a, he, he was full-time a pastor, full-time a lecturer in Bible school, and yet he found time on Sunday to cook for me. And when I eat the food, I enjoyed it so much. I just like, oh, I so feel relaxed. Then Sunday night, sleep so peaceful, you know, so good. And I didn't realize how much that mattered to me. And that's why I shared you the story in the beginning. Until I lost him. And when I realized that meals no longer felt nor tasted the same, it broke my heart. Let me tell you something. Every Sunday... God prepares a meal for you. Calls you to come home. Say, son, daughter, I love you. I miss you very much. Come, eat. Take of me. I present my best meal for you in my son Jesus Christ. Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And yet, the church does not want to come home. This is what has been happening over the pandemic. Many people have decided they can, they can stay online. It's like my children go overseas and then they decide, Papa, I'm not going to... It looks like video call work during the pandemic. I don't need to come home anymore. I'll just stay where I am, 10,000 miles away, and video call you. Let's eat over Zoom la. Does it, is it, is it the same? It is not. It is not. And I think the church has forgotten this. That the Father is the one that waits for them to come home. I forget for so long how many, I'm a boy, right? I'm a boy, right? So, you know, we don't have curfews like girls, usually. Usually. I know some boys here, God, and I know. It's okay. And then you're going to complain to your parents, huh, you see, Pastor, don't have, how come I have? You know, no. But my father, every night, would still wait for me to come home before he goes to bed. My father would wait patiently on Sunday for me to come, sit at the table, eat with him, speak with him, talk to him. All the food was a representation of his love for me. And yet, for so many years, I took it for granted especially during my teenage years, right? Uh, Papa, my friends call me out. Uh, can, I, can I go with them or not? Papa, you're cooking the same thing. Uh? Uh, I think I want to go and eat something else. I think the church has become a scary place for me. You come late because you don't know who's been waiting for you to come home. You don't. You come late because you don't realise that he's been waiting to spend time with you. You leave early from that meal time because you think it's your time. Imagine a father sitting at that table, having that meal, and before he has that conversation finished with you, you go. That's what we're doing weekly, church. That's what the statistics state in my studies that we are doing. And I think we forgot that this is the Father's house. I think we've forgotten. I'm going to say this very candidly and I didn't say this yesterday but I'll say this today. What would Pastor Clement feel when he's invited everybody to come back to church and some say, I don't need to come home? What would my dad feel when the church he started out and loved and grew as his family and he said, Come back la. And then what do we say? No need la, Pastor. It's okay la. It's too difficult la. This is what has happened post pandemic. And this has existed before, but it is exasperating now. We think we come to worship by our invitation, and we forget who invites us. And, church, I think this has to stop. I think we need to remember that church is a home where our Father in heaven looks forward to the time at the table with us. He offers His best in Jesus Christ, gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can enjoy the love and share it with each other. And yet, I must say this, the church has failed to recognize that all over the world not just here. It breaks my heart, but when I realized that, when I saw how much my father loved me, I regretted all those times I took for granted, those times he invited me to the table. And when I remembered this, I treasured so much more the time we had at the pandemic around the table because I realized it was not my table, it was the Lord's table. We take away the symbol and we've forgotten. We've forgotten that worship is centred around the table in the Father's house. He says, come. Come, all who are thirsty. Come to the waters. Come, you who have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Just come. You know, there's this thing that happens uh, in church nowadays, right? When we're planning as leaders and then (laughs) we're preparing for events, then we say, oh, yo, the cost is very high. uh, uh, uh," Then the suggestion will be sometimes, let's give it free. Then a lot of people say, what? Don't give free. People don't appreciate one. Right not? I think that's what's happened. (laughs) God gave us his invitation for free. At no cost. He paid the price for it. It says here, come by without money because the price has been paid. Give free means we take for granted. But I think church, we need to start to realize at what cost that invitation came. That invitation came at the cost of His only begotten Son there you come late church i hated coming early for church my dad was always 15 minutes before church if you're not there means we're late i'm like huh i'm on time what you know what's the problem you know i always didn't understand it and for years i struggled and when i was penning down this paper i realized see my father didn't have a father when he was 12 years old, he lost his father. The last thing that happened to him and his father was he told his father, "I hate you. Why did you do this for me?" He wanted a, a school pants, and that time bell bottoms was the the, the and all of them were going to school bell bottoms. And the father sold him pants that was straight cut, <laughs> and he was so angry, and he said, "I hate you." He stormed out of it. Years later, he regretted that moment. The father sold him the pants out of love. And he said, no thank you. No thank you. And when God saved him and showed him and invited him and showed him the love as his heavenly father, my father said, I will never respond to my father that way again. I'll be early because I love my father. I know my father is waiting for me, so I'm going to be there on time. I'm going to be there looking forward to the time I spend with him. So no amount of anything is going to take me away from it. That was my father. And he thought, tried to teach me that, but I did not understand. Not until recently how to respond to the Father's love. You see, when we lose someone we love, oftentimes we remember how we've taken them for granted, isn't it? How much you miss Pastor Clement's sermons. How much you miss his presence. What you would give to be on time. Yeah, I should have brought tissue again. Yesterday, I didn't learn my lesson. Thank you very much. Thank you, I have. Thank you. What we would be on time to be with him again, isn't it? Wouldn't we? If you hear that Pastor Clement is resurrected and today's service is going to be preaching, what wow, a service is going to be happening, man. Everybody will come, don't know, one hour earlier, line up. Maybe the church will be so full, right, that the doors also cannot, ah, not enough space, ah but what more for our Father in Heaven who loves us so much? Are we looking forward to His invitation? Are we looking forward to be with Him? Are we looking forward to the time that He speaks to us? Are we looking for His blessings before we go? Because we cannot go out there without knowing our Father is for us, not against us that we need the power and the Holy Spirit to do what He's called us to do. I think we've given grace too freely without counting the cost of that invitation. When we read something like this, oh, that means free lah. Free lah means, uh, you know, if I don't have it, I I don't know what, I'll just put it aside. You know? I see people line up for food, ah. I see people line up for the new iPhone, ah. I'm like, why are uh, they will do that now? Uh? Christians also will do that now. Uh? But come to church it won't line up. It baffles me. And I want to encourage you, church, just to remind you one more time God is waiting for you to come. Come, church. Come back home to worship. Come home. It is not enough to just do it online. I'm not saying that online is not good. I thank God for it so that sometimes children who are far from home can still we can still feel connected in that moment. But it's not enough. If God said physical presence is not enough, He wouldn't come as men, you know. He came as just like one of us to show each of us that being together, being physically connected, mattered to Him. We go to heaven, if our bodies don't matter, we will become a spiritual being, and then it doesn't matter, our physical body doesn't matter anymore. But what did He do? He renews our body, makes us new, so that when we're in the house, we enjoy His presence. This physical body is made for worship. Another thing I want to encourage you, Uh, oh, I had it, now my brain is scattered already, sorry, is this. So, let me just go through this. The invitation is for all. The invitation is free. God gathers his family because of his love. I, 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 when I was young, at 12 years old, I decided, I decided that I wanted to have a big family. It was 12 years old yesterday I didn't tell them the information today you know and they know the information that I wanted a big family so okay anyone want to take a guess how many how many members do I want Why yeah why you tell the secret you all know already yesterday some of you here yes I wanted 12 children 12 years old, I decided 12. Perfect number, Bible ma 12, 12, 12. No, I'm just joking. That was not the reason. The reason was at 12 years old, I saw this show, Cheaper by the Dozen. Some of you know that show. And I was so inspired, I said, that's it, man. You know, and I didn't understand why God put this in my heart. You know, so when I married my wife, she's Singaporean, and I told her I want 12 children, I think she didn't believe me. You know, I don't know. Because if she really realized, then she probably wouldn't have married me you know and at 12 years old I said I want to have 12 children and I want to adopt and I said because when I went on mission trips and all those kind of things I would look at the children on the street I would look at at all these orphans and I would say I can't give them all a, a guarantee of a college education but I can give them a family I can give them a home I can give them love and I can give them God I guarantee I can do that that doesn't cost much in Malaysia I can do that, so I made it a point. And so, if you don't know, both my children are in Sunday school now. Both of them adopted, uh, and I realize now it's so so hard to adopt twelve. It's really really difficult. Even two were miracles uh, by itself, but I'm still working on it. Uh, but then my goddaughter. So during the pandemic, one of them stayed with us, and uh, uh, she was Filipino. And uh, during the whole pandemic, end up that she was dating, she wanted to get married. I marriage counseled them, and then she said, will you be my godfather and walk me down the aisle? So I have five godchildren, including her, now. And then my wife said, five godchildren, two already. Then you got four dogs, so you got 11. One more yeah." <laughs> Why I share you this story is because I wanted a big family. And I realized that God was the same way. He wants a big family. He says, in my house, there are many rooms. I want to fill them all. Everyone I want to invite home. Not just these ones that are sitting in church. My heart goes so big that it is not enough. Twelve children, not enough. I want them all. That's the extent of the Father's love. So, 12 children, not enough, idea? Huh, More, okay? I've never said that to her anytime time until now. She got no chance to reply that why. <laughs> but anyway, but I really understood that God planted this heart in me because of who He is. He's a Father that invites us all and He wants all of us to enjoy Him and the, family. and the invitation is do- to those who will respond to Him. He never forces us to be His children. He adopts us all to be His children. And He says, when I see you, I see Jesus Christ. No difference. You are as precious to me as my only begotten Son. But you must want to respond that way. And I realize that most of my life, I respond like the prodigal son <laughs> instead of the begotten son. Ever since I realized that, I have made myself and pledged that I will never ever respond that way again. Ever since God has revealed to me, I've told myself I will be on the quest to tell the church that God is inviting them home. It's a simple truth, but I don't know why we've forgotten it. I don't know why. Why? And the best part about coming home and having that meal, I told you, is that that fulfillingness. If you look at the verse, it says, you know, uh, come, why do not spend on things that will not satisfy? You know, when we come home, when we have the best meal, when we feel safe and sound and we feel all the love, we feel so fulfilled, isn't it? We feel, feel so fulfilled. I pray that, and then, that you will realize that when you come on Sunday, when you come to worship God, not just on Sunday, but every day of your lives, your Father wants to you to be fulfilled. To know that He is with you. You're not alone. And that He showed through the gift of His Son. So this is the second portion of the worship. First, the gathering is God's invitation. The second, He speaks to us. He shows us, He demonstrates His love. He don't say, I love you. You know, a lot of people uh, like our government now, we always say, talk only, no action, one. Right? But our God is not like that. He says, I love you. And He made sure He showed us He loves us. You know, for a lot of us who have parents, you know, we have parents that we always say like that one, our parents didn't tell us we love, they love us, you know, all their life. Most of our parents don't, isn't it? But we know they love us. That was not our Heavenly Father. He said He loved us and He meant it and He showed us His love. All of you have experienced it and received it. And He says this, listen to me. Eat what is good. You will delight in the riches of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make a covenant with you. My faithful promise to David. The Father invites us to receive the best that He has to offer. His word, Jesus Christ. It is good for us. Yet, the problem is, until today, as humans, we have the same problem. It is not the problem, and most people when they study uh, 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 the word or they hear the gospel, they say, we sin against God. Do you know that sinning against God, right, was actually not about rebellion, not about disobedience to God, it was this. Read Genesis carefully. Genesis states for us, God created this as good, this as good, as this as good. If you read very carefully, He is so specific about what is good, because those things were created for us. Everything was created good for us. And as he said, there's two things that's not good. What's the two things that he says is not good? It's not good for man to be alone. Second, not good for you to eat from that tree of knowledge and good and of evil. Two things only, not good. Everything else I created is good for you. You read Genesis 3 carefully. When Eve took the fruit... She looked at it. What did the Bible say she said? It looked like it was good for food. Read carefully your Bibles. Most people read Genesis don't even realize this. That what we did was we decided what was good for ourselves. God say no good. We say good. Until today, same thing one. My children, ah, try to feed them medicine. Ah, ah, ah. Your children not like that. Wow, you all got very good children. Ah. The other day, ah, we, we came here, my wife, my, no, uh, my, my, my daughter has a lot of phlegm, she just recovered. okay. So she, we have to do the nose rinse, you know, to, to help her flush out the, the what? Wow, I think the whole hotel can hear us. Ah. She, it was like I, I was killing my daughter. Really, the way she screamed, I was like, ah, I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know you know? And I said, it's good for you, it's good for you. That is one of the problems we have. We decide what's good for ourselves. Ever since we we're a kid, you don't need to tell them one. They know what they will decide what's good for themselves, isn't it? We exasperate the problem with how we worship today. One of our clear ways we worship is when we eat. You don't realize this, God gathers the food for you, He presents the word food for you, you say thank you, you eat, and then He sends you off to work. The same fourfold order. We first forget that the food was prepared for us. During the pandemic, I, had, I decided to raise chickens. But out of the f- five chicks, three of them became male. So, you know, male don't give you eggs. So, and then they were so noisy. So we decided to, de- to slaughter one of them. And my poor son, I had to teach him how to slaughter chicken. And uh, at the end of it, he was crying. Beethoven was such a good chicken. Why do we have to do this? We are so detached from what the cost of our food is. The price that has been paid that we don't understand what has been prepared at the table. Then after that, we say, thank you, Jesus, for the food. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. I don't like this. Uh. You breast meat. Uh, you want or not? You want or not? I don't like vegetables. This one, I don't like. We don't do that. We do that, uh, our modern day, everybody is like that one. Uh. So when I was a youth pastor, right, they hated me. Because I would make them eat everything on the plate. You thank God for you, you better eat. Because you can't just thank God for something and don't do it, right? But we say thank you God for the food, but we still say, no, this is not good for me, this is not good for me. I say, unless you're allergic, you froth, and you die, you eat it. And so they don't like me. They don't like to go meal times with pastor, and I'm very happy because you have ministry, huh, when you go eat with them, you have to pay one. <laughs> Correct? Adults' ministry, they pay for you. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm not <laughs> just joking, okay? It's not real, okay? Um, but literally, that's what we do with our worship. Even as we eat, we do that, we do that in church. This pastor, someone, uh yeah, not for me ah. ayuh, today you're very dry. Ah. Ayo oh this pastor is so good, oh so good, so good. Oh you know, oh this worship leader, worship leading ah. Okay like, I come at ten o'clock. No? That doesn't happen in church of praise. Oh sorry, I'm preaching to the wrong crowd. But sad to say, no matter where I go, I know that this is happening. We're not worshipping because God has prepared the good for us and we realise it, you know. We, like, like, like when God gives us good, me- uh, when we give, the parents give medicine, when God prescribes to us, hey, stop sinning. Uh.
2: No, 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 I don't want.
1: We haven't grown up. Uh, so sad. Or. But I think t- church, is time to realise that we cannot behave like that anymore. It's good for us to come home and our Father has good in store for us. Not all good means we like. Ah. Some good, really, not so nice. I always don't understand why God created all kinds of vegetables. I don't understand why bitter goat has to exist. <laughs> my father cooked it. I told you my father cooks good. But when he cooks that, I'm like, bad, you must be joking. Why? Why? And he said, eat, it's good for you. <laughs> so <low>. good. <laughs> you know? Yes, it may be a bitter pill to swallow today, but I hope you remember how much good He offers to you every week, every day, every moment of your life, and you will eat it with great joy, remembering how good God is. We have forgotten how good God is. We've forgotten how good the table is. We've forgotten how good that meal time is let us not forget let us remember it is a gift and it brings us life because without this food that God gives us where will we be malnourished and dead but because of what he's done we have life come back home partake of Jesus Christ you know, there's a lot of people, when we did the online communion thing, right? We did it without much consideration, much theological so In fact, the Catholic Church and Anglican Church refuse to do communion online because they say it is not the partaking the way God intends us to, which is as a family. And family come together only, we do it. The meal is centered around the table. We must come home first. Then we will partake. And now, our worst fear as pastors, as scholars, has happened. Everybody thinks they can partake communion wherever they want, whenever they want, however they want. Rather than remembering, it comes at a price. And we only partake it when we're together as a family. And God has been faithful to do this. God never failed even at the cost of His Son. He gave it all. He's been faithful to prepare a meal for you for thousands of years. There is not one Sunday in our history that He's ever failed to prepare the table for us. Do you realize that? Never has He failed. But I think the church has failed to come home. I'm sorry, I have to say it very candidly. But I, as a father now, can understand what breaks the father's heart. Can you imagine your children coming back one day and say, I no longer need to come home? And the father faithfully waits there, and waits there, and waits there, and waits there. And the story reminds us of the prodigal son. The father was waiting and waiting. And when he saw his son come home, the Bible didn't say how many years (laughs) the son went away. right? It did say how long the drought is and all those kind of things, but we don't really know how long he went away. But the father waited every moment for the son to come home. And when the son come home, What was the depiction of the action? Was the son the one running towards the father or the father running towards the son? When you come in church today, did you know that God was running after you? That He's been faithfully running after you week after week, day after day, telling you how much He loves you? that's our Father in heaven. That's how much He loved us. And that's how much He's been faithful to offer us this invitation. Third, see, I have made Him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commanders to the people. Who is this talking about? Jesus. And Jesus showed us what it means to respond. On the night that He was betrayed, He was going to be betrayed, He took cup he broke it and said this is my body broken for you do this in remembrance of me and when he served the bread and the cup to his disciples guess who was there His betrayer he made sure that Judas partook of him first then only he said go you read the story carefully he could have said go you're going to betray me yet he still offered himself in love to Judas and said I still love you Judas I still do then he goes to Gethsemane asks the disciples that understood him the best perhaps that's what he hoped he went there and prayed on his knees and said God I don't understand why I have to do this. These people don't even want your invitation. They don't. They've decided what's good for themselves. I don't want to do this. Literally, Jesus said that. I don't want to do this. He felt just like us. And yet, what did he do? His response was to say this but I know, Father, how much you love them. How much you love them, just as you love me. And I'm willing to love them the way you've called me to. That's what he means when he says, let not my will be done, but yours. And we became recipients of that love because of Jesus' response. We cannot worship without Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that worshipped for us. Then only we became worshippers. Do you realise that? No matter how good your song, no matter how good you're playing, no matter what your church or praise singing is like, or no matter how good the sermon, it does not cause you to worship. It is Jesus Christ in His response that made worship happen for us. And church, you know what he says? Church, you are also called to respond that way. You are also called to respond like Jesus Christ, out of love. I think we love each ourselves so much, that's why we don't need to come on time, we go back early. I think our church has become more narcissistic than ever before. That's why we can be a social club. That's why we have to what? Why people have preferences and say, you know, I like this. I go to this church. Pastor, you don't feed me. i go to the other church. It's like church now. Huh? It's working so hard to, do, to be like McDonald's just to please you. Give you Happy Meal so your children will come. Is that the purpose of the church? No, I do not believe so. So we have Happy Meal happening now. Then we have different what, And then we have youth, you know, they no longer want Happy Meal, two, two I don't want toys anymore. You know, and then we have to have uh, cafes, you know, to fit our tastes, you know, after a bit, nobody want to eat hawker, you know, feel too poor, you know. And then parents have to pay 15 bucks for a cup of coffee, you know. This is how our responses are because we're all selfish. Everything is so consumeristic that is leading us to say that if I do not get what I like, I'm not going to respond. Church, we are called not to have McDonald's Christianity. We are called to carry our crosses. And Jesus exemplified that. Jesus demonstrated the best response possible. That was to say, Lord, I love you. I will respond to your invitation. I will follow you. That's why it's so clear the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. Jesus was someone we can follow. God knows that in our earth, we have no one that we can follow the example But he came as an example for us to see someone who was willing to respond to the Father's invitation the way we weren't ready. And that's what Jesus did. He says, you decide what's good, I will follow. My own will is that it's not good, I don't want to die. But your will be done. He's saying literally, I know what you say is good and I will follow. Church. I think the church has failed in this area to recognize this and sin is abounding in our church today because we decide what is good for ourselves. We have witnessed what Christ said and yet most of us would not want to do what Jesus did. That is to die on the cross for someone else. To love our neighbours as we love ourselves. To sell all our possessions and give it to the poor, you know. Acts 2.42 talks about that and guess what? If I teach that in church today, say, hey, that church member, i uh, got no house. Uh, can you give him that, your house? Uh, they will say, pastor, you crazy. Uh? Or they will say, this church is a cult. When it's actually the Word of God. We have gone so far from what Jesus would do in laying down His life for others. So we are called to worship like Jesus. The Lord's table, the altar call, the response talk, it's not a passive response. It is an active participation. You cannot, can you imagine come home to your, what, in the table and it happens, right? When our children come home and then we sit down there, nobody wants to talk. Nobody wants to participate. Everybody eats and then go away. And then there's this modern phenomenon uh, that has happened where everybody either see their devices. Before that, it already exists. Ah. Parents don't say, ah the children nowadays, ah, last time what you will do, go sit around the TV and eat. See the latest Chinese drama, go na on, go on. right? All wait for that one, right? Because that's prime time, ah. Huh? So everybody sit down there and eat, no talking. That is not church. Church is sitting at the table, listening to the Father, speaking to Him. Not all times when you speak at the table is easy conversations, isn't it? Sometimes the conversations are really difficult. Sometimes the conversations are really healing. Sometimes the conversations are. Uh, you wish you weren't there at the table, right? Because when you come to the table, you know your father is going to talk about something you did. That was wrong. We all have to be active participants. The meal is useless if it's not So, And I'm very thankful that I'm looking at most of you now. You're actively participating. You're looking at me. You're not sleeping. You're not, you're not, um, uh, I don't know. Pastor Mary and Pastor Clement must have done very well in helping you all to know. Um, But they're good preachers also. You know, it helps, you know. But this is the point. That's why we say, you know, sing, sing together, do these all things together because this is what we do together as a family. And when one person doesn't participate, the, 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 do you realize that in a family, if one person chooses not to participate and pick up the phone and, and refuse to put it down, the atmosphere changes. It feels really bad. Church, I hope that never happens in church anymore. Let us not. Let's put our preferences aside and understand. Let's participate. Can you imagine what would Jesus do if he we was sitting in our congregation today? Will He be worshipping the Father the way we do? I hope so, that you worship like Jesus because that's what we are called to. And if you are not there yet, there's always time to work on it. Next, God prepares a table. It is a response to come and eat, partake of the sacrifice and the person of Jesus Christ as our ability to worship in submission to Him. Now, there's two sides to this coin. One side is where you come and then you realize how much has been done for you and you're thankful. But there's another part of it. You see, most of us also must realize this, that we are unworthy to partake of what has been given to us. You know, if you have given an invitation, I tell you, uh, this is another thing. Uh, I always say this to my church. If uh, Najib invites you to meet him, uh, you also not come on late. Uh. Whatever put on his third table, you will eat. Ah. Najib, oh. I'm so unworthy to be in his house. Take out shoes, last scared you dirty his floor, la. Come to church, ah. We have no, no reverence for God anymore. We're so casual. Yesterday, I had to confess because I, have a, I sprained my back and it's been very hard to preach. And when I was wearing this jacket, I was sweating and I put Yoko, Yoko, so it was burning. So I took out and I was just wearing T-shirt and jeans and preach. And then I felt like, I felt really disrespectful. So I confess. Because I believe that if I, 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 I don't want it to seem like I'm too casual with my father who has done so much. Can you understand that? And when we are we realize how unworthy we are we also realize how worthy he makes us and how welcoming his invitation is he doesn't say because you're unworthy don't come oh that poor person didn't dress nicely don't come just be oh you look like this person don't come you're this skin color don't come oh you are a child don't come he's in fact the disciples make that very mistake because the disciples said oh these children are not welcome and god was saying very clearly said what did he said everyone is welcome in fact the kingdom of god is made for such as these i think we forget this and we welcome specific people. We make certain, certain people feel welcome. Especially those people that are easy, love, good on the eyes, huh? uh, very handsome. You know, everybody. You know, if Michelle, you walk in, everybody welcome her. What we should do is to remember that the table welcomes anyone, Jesus died for everyone everybody has a seat at the table my table is not to welcome just those i like my father always did this and i didn't like it you know people will always go back for money in asia it's a famous thing it always happens and my father would always said i don't have money will you sit at my table and i'll buy a meal for you and so when i was young i didn't like it because they smell they're dirty it's uncomfortable but my dad will never fail. If anyone walk past, he will say, "Come, sit at my table, eat. No cost. Just sit down. You don't want to talk? Don't talk. You want to talk? I'm here to listen." And that reminds me so much of what that table signifies in church. But we have become so inclusive we have not invited people as we should can i be frank about that but that has to stop church can can last the sending the invitation home the last thing that we need to remember is that god welcomes us home and he welcomes like i said he welcomes everyone And the sending of the church is always that. People who leave before the sermon, actually the benediction, do you know what the benediction is for? The benediction is to bless the church with the ability to be the church, outside of the church. With the power of the Holy Spirit to be the church, to love your neighbor as yourself. But we can leave before we get the blessing because we don't think we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. You know, huh? in the early days right when you go into the presence of the king the king will give you an order go and do this and then what will he do at the end he'll give you a stamp of approval this is my authority go with my blessing this benediction is your stamp to go out there as ambassadors of christ but a lot of us don't need it we don't need to wait for it because you know what we go out there actually we don't become the invitation of god to the world And one thing is this, if you have received God's invitation of love, I know all of you feel, wow, God loved me so much. But it is not enough. My father loved me so much. I realize how much he loved me. And I realize why I want so many people in my family is because I want the world to know how, how much my father loved me. And I'm going to show every child I can in my lifetime the love of a father, just as my father has shown me. So that's why I don't want to stop inviting children into my home. Because I believe that I can do this through Christ to strengthen me. That I can give them that invitation no matter how small. I cannot give them riches, each one a car, each one everything. But I can give them the love of God. Because I have received this love. I must do something about it. You know, uh, we all are, very good one. We were just talking yesterday as so. well. Some people will drive all the way ah, to Penang to eat food. Oh. Why? Wow, I tell you, ah, when we see good food, ah, when we eat good food, ah, Malaysians are the best. You know. The first thing they do is, tick chick Second, share. Then share already ah, when people like, 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 and they say, where? Oh, wow, we're very quick. Oh, go, 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 go. Ah, here, here, here. Ah, you, you you must go. Ah. Then ah, the person say, ah, very far. Hey, I take you, I take you, I take you. So excited when we eat the good food, isn't it? So excited. How come when we taste and see that the Lord is good, we're not as, as excited? Is He not worthy of our Instagram or Facebook posts? Then bring them to church. Uh, you want to come or not? Uh, my church is very small here. Uh, 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 my, my, my musicians, when they sing, uh, out of tune one, uh, How come? ah? I think we're not grateful enough for our family. We're not proud of our home. We have forgotten how good this home is. That's why we don't invite others. See, the Christian home, the worship that God invites us, is not, oh, we all enjoy God and nothing else. You enjoy God means you become naturally well, they can natural, no need, no need to give evangelism class. one eh. You all become food evangelists. But ask you to evangelize to others, pastor can give training or not. How come? Because I think we are really, we've tasted of God's goodness and we don't, don't, don't realize that we are all equipped no, we are not telling you to go up there and tell all the, tell how, explain Genesis to Revelation. We're not asking you to go out there and, and be able to counter every argument that they have about why the Bible is not accurate. Lah, this. What are we asking you to go and do? Go and tell them that God is good. Ask them and give them a taste of God by living your life so that they can taste and see that God is good. We're asking you to go out there and when they see you, they say, I want to eat that good food, man. That's all we're asking you to do. And if you want to be a cook and a chef and even present people with the food, oh, come, we're welcome. Come join us in doing that. But I don't think we need to do that. All we need to do is say, God has welcomed you. I welcome you. God has loved you. I love you very difficult man actually quite difficult lah. so pastor would help you all to do that lah, huh? but in a sense also, I really think it's not that hard if you really understand this invitation home surely you will summon nations to you not and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel for he has endowed you with splendor who Jesus We should not be ashamed of it because he is so good he is so good god has made it his mission to bring the world back home to him he sends the church through the power of the holy spirit to become invitations of love to the world through how we love each other the world will know that we are his children and this is another thing that is a problem. Loving each other the way God called us to. We come home, we sit around the table, we don't want to talk. You know, that, you know what that person did to me, you know You know, every time uh, as a pastor, my job is always to try to be a peacemaker. This member hurt this member, this member hurt that member. Cannot see each other, cannot talk to each other, want to leave the church. Oh, oh, pastor hurt them. uh, They feel, uh, you know, pastor never shake their hand. uh, And so on and so forth. uh. But the effort to love each other comes from us, each one of us. And it is already given us the power to do that. You know that, right? The Holy Spirit is the power to love one another to say that we cannot love one another means that we don't have the holy spirit in fact if you're asking for revival and you're asking for more of the holy spirit if you're claiming to be a church that's full of the holy spirit what should be the result you love one another like never before and god if there's one thing i hope you get from today's message is that when i said that worship is the invitation of god right to his house of love where we enjoy relationship with him through jesus christ and fellowship with each other by the power of the holy spirit i hope you remember that god doesn't want us oh i love you so much uh, it's just between you and me no we are called to love one another we are called to love one another and this is a house of love this family will always love one another That must be the king. And when we love one another, we will not be ashamed to call people to a house. You know why we are ashamed to call people to our family sometimes to eat together because our family fight a lot, don't love one another. I tell you, I don't care your music team how, the preacher is not good or so, whatever, but if you all love one another, people come, they will see God on you. Don't care your church, your chair is not nice, no aircon, as well. If you love one another, they will see God and they will see His invitation of love. And church, I call you to love one another like never before. I know that some of you might feel broken just like me when I lost my father. Losing Pastor Clement is not an easy thing. But what he would love to see now, post-pandemic in this church, more than anything, is that you love one another. I can say this with an assurance because I know that. You see, uh, as a pastor, right, when one of the church members decides not to come to church already, uh, very difficult one, very painful one. And I was preaching at this church, right, and I was saying this, uh, hey, I don't know how to describe this feeling, you know, I was post-pandemic uh, and I was talking about something like this, about God's invitation, I was talking about the Father's love and I said, God plants the love of the Father into your pastor's son to love everybody. And then somehow this person leaves, it breaks our heart one. you know. Then I said, I don't know how to describe how that feeling. And you know what? The pastor came up to me, hugged me, and said after this, Leon, I know how, how to describe that feeling. It's like a family member died. When someone leaves the church, it's like someone died in the family. And I was like, yes, it is absolutely like that. Yet, we have to live with that grief we cannot share it with people church there's anything that God wants more for his church than Pastor Clement itself is that for you to love one another that's why Jesus before he left he prayed this prayer that they may be one just as we are one The blessings of God is ultimately so that we will be able to love one another and offer the riches of God's love to the world He longs to come home. And that's the final thing I want to leave you with. I think we need to come home. Some of us, this is not home or this has not been home for a while. You don't feel like you belong or someone has made you feel unbelonged. Or you come just because you have to fulfill your duty. You come not because you realize what God has done for you and how much He loves you and how much He's waiting for you to come. If you are a person like me that realizes that, I think it's time to come home. Second, I think we also need to realize that God wants a big family <laughs> he wants everybody to come home that we are extension of God's love to ask people not come to church not come and see who my pastor is not come to see who that worship leader is or not come to see the good music not come for all those things come home because there's a father who loves you very much and is waiting for you to come home there's two things we're called to do and this song really reminds me of this response that we should make and can we do it together let's make this our active response to say i'll come to the father though my gift is small broken hearts broken knives he will take them all let's stand before the world began And every tear you try
2: Is precious in His heart. Because of His great love He gave His own peace
1: Everything was done So you would love. Nothing you can do Nothing you can do to make him love you. first and brothers we respond to God's invitation and after that brothers we will sing the second verse and sisters re- respond to God's invitation and then in the chorus we're gonna make a response a rousing responses to, together and say we come to the Father can we do that so as we sing the first verse sisters will lead us and brothers you just respond to God and say Lord I want Respond to your invitation I also want to be your invitation And sisters, you do the same thing on that second verse But then we're going to make a united response as one family We welcome to the Father It doesn't matter whether we feel we're gifted or not We know that our Father welcomes us home Church, let's respond together to His love Sister, lead us you
2: were the His is in His eyes. Because of His great love, He gave His only son. Everything was sad, so You were kind. Brothers, let's sing it.
0: Because of his great love,
2: he gave his only son. Everything was done, so you will come. Let's come to the Father. Come to the Father.
1: by my spirit i need to pray for some people who still don't feel worthy to receive god's invitation or to come to him you know you feel like you have five loaves and two fishes and what can god do with it but today god wants to give you his holy spirit he wants to give you an assurance that you are his child that that invitation is not an accident that he loves you very much and some of you are feeling that way and I want to pray for you. So not to embarrass anybody, would you kindly close your eyes and bow your heads. And if you are a person that wants God to love you and show His love once again, to remind you of how much you are a treasured child of God, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand to your father? Would you come to him and say, yes, Lord, 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 sees seize that hand, Lord, seize that hand. Yes. And many hands raised across the congregation yes God sees that hand God sees that hand God sees that hand yes God sees that hand I'm gonna wait a little while more because it may be difficult for you to say I am worthy to take God's invitation I'm worthy of his love but if you are struggling I want to pray with you not for you with you because I feel unworthy too but you need the strength of the Spirit raise your hand we're going to sing that chorus as your response first and then i'm going to pray for you in power so church we sing together with them can we to encourage them let's sing it come to the father though your
2: gift is small broken hearts broken lives he will take them. Power of the, word, the power of his blood. was done,
1: so you father I begin to pray for my brother and sister I I feel with them because it is so hard to fathom how much you love us it's so hard accept that love because sometimes we feel so unworthy of what and sometimes we have done so many things to break your heart today we ask for your forgiveness today we ask lord that you will release us from this fear because the father does not want us to sit outside and wait he wants us to come home and lord You have given this invitation to these people and they want to come. They want to know your love has set them free. And Lord, today by the power of the Holy Spirit, will you please, Lord, help them know, Lord, that they have a seat at the table, that they are your favourite child. And that you run towards them, that you are longing for them, Lord. And Lord, may they respond to you Not out of trauma in the past Not out of fear But out of love Knowing that their little response of just saying thank you Or just saying, Papa, I love you Is good enough for you And Lord, I pray that as they learn That you will set them free to greater heights To express their love to you They will not be afraid to dance before you They will not be afraid to sing They will not be afraid to tell the world Of how much they have received who you are They have come to you And today By your word I declare Not because I am someone Better than them But I know That this is your truth That you have Welcomed them home And we thank you For that grace We thank you For that truth And we pray That you will Help them To always Remember That invitation Even if they felt Like they have responded badly In the past From today onwards You will take Their response And you will be Pleased with it Thank you, Lord, for that we can pray this with the assurance that the power of the Holy Spirit is with us to overcome all things.
0: Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah.
1: In Jesus' name, I pray.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: There's one more thing I want to pray for the church. Can I do one more thing? I want to pray for this church to be the most loving church ever. Amen. I want to pray that this church will welcome everyone home. Amen that more in Ipoh will come to this family and be welcomed by the love of Jesus Christ. Can I do that? So can you, church, raise your hands and I will bless you with the power of your Holy, the Holy Spirit and the unction of the Holy Spirit to become disciples of love. Oh, Lord, Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. These are your children, the Lord, who love you, who are called according to your purposes. Oh, Spirit, fall upon this church, the Lord. Oh, Lord, we came to revive this church with your love, oh Lord. Hallelujah. They will not forsake their first love, Lord. And Father, I pray, oh Lord, that every hurt in this church will be healed in Jesus' name, every brokenness will be healed in Jesus' name, that every relationship will be mended to become family in Jesus' name. And in this church, you will knight them by love. And by their love, the world will know that they are your disciples. And they will be invited into this home, into this family, to the table where everyone has a seat. So, Father, anoint this church with not the power to be Bible expositors or great preachers, but to be people of love.
0: Yes, Jesus, hallelujah.
1: Lord, the next time I get to share my time with this congregation, I will be able to testify that your love abounds among them, Lord. Yes. Like never before. So grow this church. Help them to love one another to the extent, Lord, that the world will say, how can I receive this love? And Lord, they will be welcomed home to you through this church. So I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus, knowing that the power of the Holy Spirit will send them out to be witnesses. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 God bless Hallelujah. you.